This is The Kingdom at Hand from Hosanna Free Lutheran Church in St. James, Minnesota. I am Pastor Joe Faldet. This sermon was recorded at the beginning of the riots going on in Minneapolis in 2020. And uh, I was kind of amazed at how the text spoke to what was going on and how we as Christians should be approaching these things, these problems that are going on within the minority communities and how to make their problems our problem. Our sermon today is going to be taken from Judges. And we're going to be looking at Judges 10. That's Kings. It's Ruth. I'm going to be looking at Judges 10. And I'm going to skip a couple of verses about Tola and Jer. And I'm going to be looking at Judges 10, verses 6 through... And I read in Jesus' name. The people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth and the gods of Syria, and the gods of Sidon, and the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, the gods of the Philistines, and they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the Ammonites, and they crushed and oppressed the people of Israel that year. For eighteen years they oppressed all the people of Israel who were beyond the Jordan in the land of the Amorites, which is in Gilead. And the Ammonites crossed the Jordan to fight also against Judah and against Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was severely distressed. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, saying, We have sinned against you, because we have forsaken our God and have served the Baals. And the Lord said to the people of Israel, Did I not save you from the Egyptians? From the Amorites, from the Ammonites, and from the Philistines, from the Sidonians also, the Amalekites and the Maonites oppressed you and, you, and you cried out to me, and I saved you out of their hand. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore, I will save you no more. Go and cry out to the gods whom you have chosen. Let them save you in the time of your distress. And the people of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems good to you, only please deliver us this day. So they put away the foreign gods from among them, and served the Lord, and he became impatient over the misery of Israel. Then the Ammonites were called to arms, and they encamped in Gilead. And the people of Israel came together, and they encamped in Mizpah. And the people, the leaders of Gilead, said one to another, Who is the man who will begin the fight against the Ammonites? He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. Let us pray. Father, as we come now to study your word, to apply it into our lives, I pray that you would bless us, that you would guide us. Lord, that you would be glorified through this study. Father, that we might grow in our walk with you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so what's going on here? Well, we've, so we had the story of Abimelech. And Abimelech finally dies. And all the people of Israel go back to their own places. Then we get two more judges that are raised up. We get uh, Tola, the son of Pua. Um, well, actually, we get a, after Abimelech, there arose to save Israel Tola, the son of Pua, Pua, son of Dodo, a man of Iskar. And so he reigned, or he judged Israel 23 years. And then Jer arose, and Jer judged Israel for 22 years. So we've got 45 years here, and that's, that's a pretty good while where there was peace, 
where we have these two guys judging Israel. We see what's kind of going on. And I'll put a couple more sermons online about some things that we see in there, but I don't want to get into it right now. So what we see happening, though, is the people of Israel, again, forsake the Lord. And this is that constant theme throughout the book of Judges. It's the people of Israel forsaking the Lord. It's God's people forsaking God. It's them turning to other gods, them turning to Baal and to Ashtaroth and to Molech and to Chemosh, the the gods of the people around them, the gods that weren't able to save the people around them, that weren't able to protect the people around them from Yahweh and his people. And that's one of the reasons why God sent Israel in there to conquer militarily. And that was to show the Israelites that the gods of all of these people weren't powerful. Rather, they were impotent. They couldn't protect them from the Lord. And so the Israelites were worshiping these gods foolishly and, and because they had already conquered so many of these people. They had already been proven that these people's gods weren't viable. They weren't powerful. And so, what are they doing? Well, it's just sin. It is simply sin. As the people of Israel wander, as, as they experience peace and as they experience prosperity, their hearts start to wander away from the Lord. And I don't fully understand this. There's a lot of stuff in the book of Judges that I don't fully understand. You know, why is it that during times of peace and prosperity do we wander from the Lord? Because it's not just Israel, it's also Americans. It's us. It's Christians. We wander from the Lord when things are going well. We start to take all of the stuff that God has done for us for granted. Start saying, you know, it doesn't really matter. I don't really need to worship God. Everything's going to still go well. And we start to take credit upon ourselves. And so we see as we begin here, all Israel sinned. All Israel. And the people of Israel, again, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. But that evil didn't right away affect all of Israel. It just affected the margins right away. It affected the people on the edge. Because we see that God raised up two people groups, the Philistines, who were on the western edge of Israel. They were between Israel and the Mediterranean Sea. And we see God raising up the Ammonites. And they were on the eastern side of Israel. They, they oppressed the Jews, not the Jews. They oppressed the Israelites. Sorry, Jew comes out of Judean. And so these aren't Judeans. They oppressed the Israelites that were on the western side of the Jordan. Or on the eastern side of the Jordan, rather. Sorry. And so what do we see? We see those who are on the margins starting to struggle. They are the ones that are being oppressed. But the Philistine oppression must not have been that bad. But the Ammonite oppression against the Israelites that were on the eastern side of the Jordan, on the wrong side of the Jordan, the oppression against them was terrible. And they were in great distress. And that should have been a wake-up call for all of Israel. But it wasn't. It wasn't because it wasn't all of Israel's problem yet. All of Israel was living in sin. But that sin hadn't come to affect all of Israel. It was their problem. The Ammonites. And they, forsook the, and they forsook the Lord and did not serve Him. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And so we see that it is the Lord. It's nobody else. 
It's the Lord who is raising up the Ammonites. It's the Lord who is raising up the Philistines. It's the Lord who is empowering these people to bring destruction, to bring distress, to bring pain and suffering and sorrow upon the Israelites that exist both by the Philistines and that exist by the Ammonites. God raised this up, but the heartland of Israel, the hill country of Israel, that which exists right in the middle, they were still protected. They hadn't been beaten on yet. And so what do we see is we see that it was their problem, not our problem. It was the problem of those who were on the margins, not those who were in the center. And I think this is important today. We have an important application here. And that application is, are you struggling? Are you facing hardship? Are you facing trial? Are you facing difficulty? Are you facing distress? If you are, you're probably on the margins in some way. If this COVID-19 thing is hitting you especially hard, you're probably on the margins in some way. You might not be a marginal person, but you're probably on the margins. Whether you are immunocompromised, there's not that many immunocompromised people in this world. And so that's on the margins. If you are in the 80 to 90 to 100 plus age group, that's a marginal age group. You're on the margins. If you're being hit by the riots that are going on right now as I speak, you're probably more so in the margins because they are targeting really the poor neighborhoods and the cops. You're on the margins. So this is your problem. Right? No. Really how we should take this is this is our problem. Because we are all one. We're all humanity. We're all Americans. Well, everyone in America is an American. But we're all humanity. We need to be caring about those who are on the margins. And we see the problem here with Israel is they didn't care about those who were on the margins. They didn't care about those who were on the edge. They didn't care about those who were at the extremes. Most of Israel was still safe. And so they said, we're good. The problem is that that safety doesn't remain. So what happens? Do the Philistines, do they come in further? No. And we're not even told how bad that was. It doesn't, we're not told how long it was. We're not told that those people were in distress. We're not told anything about that. So the Philistine occupation must not have been to the same degree that the Ammonite occupation was. But when the Ammonites finally say, you know what, we're going to go in further, God bolsters them more and they cross the Jordan. They've crossed the Jordan. Oh no, now it's our problem. And the Ammonites start to oppress the central portion of Israel where the majority of the Israelites lived. And that started to be a problem because now the majority of the Israelites are finally starting to feel this. It's not just the margins anymore. Now it's us. Now it's us. And so what do they do? They finally turn to God. We don't have any indication here. Now it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Didn't happen. But as a nation, they hadn't turned to the Lord. As a nation, they hadn't put away their gods. As a nation, they hadn't called out to the Lord on behalf of those who were in the margins. But now that it affects them, They're finally starting to call out to the Lord now that it affects them personally. And you know, friend, if you're listening to this, I'm anticipating that you're probably a Christian. You might not be, but I'm anticipating that you're a Christian. And so I want to call you and I want to challenge you right now. Don't wait until it hits you. 
to be praying for those who are on the edges. Don't wait until it comes home to you to pray for those who are at the margins, to beseech the Lord on their behalf, to examine your own heart. Do I have any idols within my own heart? And to confess those and repent of those and to turn those over to God. Because the time to do that is now. This starts right now. Because as we see this chaos moving in, as we see this evil moving in, it's going to affect all of us sooner than later. We're not safe. We need to be praying for the people that are dealing with it right now. That they would have judges raised up in their lives. That they would have leaders raised up in their lives to guide them with how to remove this evil from their land. Remove this evil from the poor, poor places in the cities. To remove this evil there. To remove this evil of racial prejudice. To remove this evil of rioting. To remove this evil of vandalism. We need to be praying right now that God would work in those places. Because sooner or later it's going to come to us. We need to pray that God would remove this evil of COVID. And the fear that goes with it. We need to pray that God would work there. We need to beseech God. Cry out to the Lord. Because pretty soon it becomes our problem. The Ammonites move in. And the Ammonites crossed the Jordan, verse 9, to fight also against Judah and against Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim so that Israel was severely distressed. The Ammonites will move in. They always do. It always comes to the heartland eventually. So we need to be praying for those who are on the margins. Those who are on the other side. And so what did the people of Israel do? Well, they cried out to God. And the first step in their crying out to God is they say, we have sinned against you because we have, because we have forsaken our God and have served the Baals. Now, when they start out, they're confessing. And this is where it comes with, with us too. That we would confess our sins. Because that's always our first step. When we come to God, we come to God in confession. God, this is where I have sinned. And if you don't know where you have sinned, then we come to God with a request. Okay, God, I know that I have sinned. Where do I have sin? Show me. Here the Israelites, they knew it. They understood it. Oftentimes that's what happens in our lives, but not always. They knew that they had sinned. They understood that they had sinned. They saw their sin, and so that was the first thing they dealt with. They confessed it. Confession means to agree with God that this thing I'm doing is sin. Now, sin means missing the mark. It means to agree with God that this thing I'm doing is wrong. It, it falls short of your holiness. It falls short of your desire. It falls short of your path. It, it falls short of you. It falls short of your glory. It's to agree with God. Yes, God, you're right. This thing that I've been doing is wrong wrong. This thing that I've been thinking, this thing that I've been saying, these things are wrong. I don't have the right to do them. And so they came to God and they confessed that. What did God do? God said, I'm not saving you anymore. We're done. You're right. You were wrong. You served all of those idols. Go to them. Ask them to protect you. Ask them to deliver you. If they're so powerful, ask them. I've delivered you from all of these nations. And you forsook me. These are nice sounding words. 
you go and ask them. And then we have the real act of faith. Because confession is an act of faith. It's an act of agreeing with God. God, indeed, I have sinned. But the real act of faith comes next, and that comes in repentance. And they put away And the people of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems good to you today. Only please deliver us this day. So they surrendered to God. So I wasn't going to, I didn't have this in my notes. But they surrendered to God. They submit themselves to the will of the Lord, acknowledging that they have sinned. Because once we have sinned, we don't, God no longer owes us anything. God doesn't owe us. God's never really owed us. And so the Israelites, they've sinned. And they say, God, you don't owe us anything. Do whatever seems right. You know best. We don't anymore. So they surrender themselves to God. And then they put away their idols. And that's repentance. That's repentance. Repentance is turning back to God. And so not just confession. Confession is the first part. Surrender exists in there that we give ourselves over to God. We throw ourselves upon his mercy, trusting in Jesus as Christians. And then we change our actions. And we line our actions back up to that which, what God, to that which God desires. To that which God has called us to as Christians. If I confess my sins and I say, you know what, this thing I've been doing is wrong. But I'm going to keep doing it. What are my actions revealing? My actions are revealing that I don't really think this is wrong. And so my words might sound nice, but God knows my heart. God sees my actions. And so what I'm called to do then isn't to just agree with God that this thing is wrong and then keep doing it. No, if I agree with God that this thing is wrong, then I have a calling to put it away, to stop doing that, and to live my life in the manner that God has called me to. This is my calling in this world, to live, to bear fruits in keeping with repentance, as John the Baptist said. To repent for the kingdom of God is near. To turn from my sins and to walk with God. And that is an active thing. It's not just something we say, it's something we do, it's something we live out, something that we continue in. We put away these sinful things. They have no place in my life anymore. They are junk. They are rubbish. I don't want them. I'm throwing them out. God, I'm going to hold fast to you. I'm going to hold fast to you. And then we start to see the promise arise. And this is why we pray. And this is why we confess. And this is why we surrender. And this is why we repent. And this is why we call out to the Lord. Because then the Lord became impatient with their suffering. I love that phrase. It's just exciting to see. The Lord became impatient. How many of you have ever been impatient? God becomes impatient. When does God become impatient? God becomes impatient when God's people are walking in righteousness and still suffering. That's when God becomes impatient. When God's people are walking with him but are still suffering, then God becomes impatient. God says, I can't handle this anymore. I can't stand this. It's too much. It's too long. Now, this was 18 years it took them to get to this point. Sometimes we have to struggle and we have to suffer for a while. 
There's been times in the, new, or in the book of Judges where it was up to 40 years. You know, that's a long time. But when God's people turn back to God, God becomes impatient. When we start walking in repentance, when we start confessing our sins, we turn back to God and surrender all that we are upon His mercy. God becomes impatient. Then the Ammonites, oops, that's the wrong verse, verse 16b, and he became impatient over the misery of Israel. So what's the first thing that God does? He escalates the problem. God brings it to a head. And that's an important thing too. Because when we start praying, when we start looking to God, when we start walking in repentance, that doesn't mean that things turn around right now. That doesn't mean that everything fixes right at this moment. No, what that means is that we're finally, finally getting to where God wants us to be, but he's going to keep testing us and he's going to keep pushing us for a little while. Are we going to, are we going to turn around? God brings these things to a head so that they can be dealt with at that point. God escalates the problem. And the Ammonites were called to arms and they encamped in Gilead. And the people of Israel came together and they encamped at Mizpah. So the Ammonites weren't just sent away. No, because they needed to be defeated. The Israelites needed to see that God was more powerful, that the Lord was more powerful than the gods of the Ammonites. They had to be defeated. The Lord is powerful. The Lord will work. The Lord will bring vengeance. The Lord will bring justice. We are called as Christians to cry out to the Lord. And then what's the next thing that happens after God escalates this, after God brings it to a head, after God brings it to the battle? people of Israel finally start asking the right questions. They finally start leading. They finally start brainstorming. And this actually is something that can't be overlooked. And the leaders of Gilead, verse 18, And the people, the leaders of Gilead, said one to another, Who is the man who will begin to fight against the Ammonites? He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. The leaders start leading. And so if you've taken for granted the fact that leaders will lead, don't. These leaders of the people of Gilead, these leaders of Israel, what have they been doing up until this point? We have no idea. But it's not asking the right question because finally they start asking the right question. But they have a problem. They're asking each other instead of asking God. But they're finally starting to lead. And so we see the hand of God at work. We see God moving in the leadership. But we also see the sin of the leadership. And this is something, this is a fine hair to split. We want our leaders leading, right? But we also want them leading in a godly manner. And so that's why we need to be praying for our leaders. That even if they are ungodly people, that God's will would be done through them. Because God doesn't only just use godly people. The story of Jephthah really shows that. God also uses ungodly people. God can bring good out of ungodly people. God is bringing good out of the Ammonites right now. God is working in the leaders of Gilead even though we know that they aren't godly men because we see some of the stuff that they've done and some of the stuff that they do. 
But God starts working. And we can praise God for that. When our leaders start leading, then it's a time to praise God. Praise God that the leaders are leading. And then it's also a time to pray all the more, lest we fall into the same camp as the people of, or as Jephthah. Because Jephthah goes ahead and kills his daughter. We'll get into that when we get into that. At least as far as I understand it, he kills his daughter. But we need to pray for our leaders. That when they start leading, that they lead us in a godly direction. We need to confess our sins. We need to repent of our sins. We need to walk in righteousness as Christians. We need to be praying for those who are out on the margins. We need to be praying for those who are facing the struggles. Praying for those who are facing the trials. We need to be doing all we can on their behalf. Because they are facing the evil first. If it hasn't affected us yet, we can praise God, but then we're also called to reach out to those who it is affecting. To ask God to bring vengeance where vengeance is due. To ask God to repay justice where justice is needed. Vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. I will repay. And I, I, Before we close, I want to talk about that real quick. Vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. I will repay. Note that. That's from the book of Romans. Paul says that. Quoting the Old Testament. I'm forgetting exactly where it is in the Old Testament. But when God says vengeance is mine, what is he saying? He's saying I will bring retribution upon those who need retribution. I will bring punishment upon those who need punishment. I will bring hardship upon those who need hardship. But it's not just that. He's saying that. Usually that's what, how we, we think about it and that's how we mean it. God will bring vengeance upon them. But God will also bring vengeance for those who are wronged. Because it's not just against. It's also for. So God will repay those who have been wronged. God will repay those who have been hurt. God will repay those who have been despised and rejected. God will bless them. How exactly God will bless them, I don't know specifically. That depends on all sorts of factors. And that's in God's hands. And so if I have been wronged by someone, if you have been wronged by someone, you can pray to God, God, bring justice, bring vengeance, repay. If they have brought hardship and evil upon you, you can trust and pray that God would, would bring that upon them. I know that sounds crazy. We are called to forgive. God brings vengeance. Knowing then also that God will repay me. Any hurt that has been done to me, that that will be repaid in Christ. I can trust God to do that. I can trust God to repay. And you can trust God to repay. And so then what do you do? You forgive and you call upon God to repay. Lord, bring vengeance. Bring justice. And so in a day like today, when that's being called out, when people are crying out for justice, when people are crying out for vengeance, what do we do? We say, God, we need you. We need you to repay. We proclaim that promise. God will repay. Both the perpetrator and the victim. So when we're seeing this be done, when we're seeing this stuff happening in our land, in our nation, in America, we need to hit our knees. We need to ask God, God, bring justice to a world that desperately needs it.
And if there's any sin in your life, repent of it. Leave it behind. Put it away. Confess it as sin and then get rid of it. Start walking in the righteousness that God has called you to. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your working. We thank you in all of these things out in Judges 10. We pray now that as we continue to meditate upon these promises and as we pray for those who are on the margins, those who are struggling, those who are being hit, even when that's us ourselves, when we see that, may we pray. May you answer because you have promised. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. This is Hosanna Free Lutheran Church in St. James, Minnesota. And remember to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand.